May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free from harm. May all beings love life. May all beings awaken. Welcome to another Cuke Audio podcast. I'm DC Puba of Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives, preserving the legacy of Shunyu Suzuki and those whose paths crossed his, and anything else that comes to mind. I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable, free from economic hardship, and able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do as little harm as possible. Today, we're going to have a guest, Bruce Fortin. And uh, Bruce uh, came to Zen Center, uh, oh, you know, in the around 1970 or something. He tells us in it. Uh, and um, he, he got involved with uh, Steve Gaskin, uh, you know, founded the farm with Steve Gaskin's lawyer. Uh, here, I'm going to read you from uh, mindbodyonline.com instructors Bruce Fortin. Bruce Fortin was ordained a Zen priest in 1977 at the San Francisco Zen Center. He is the founder and has been the guiding teacher at the Occidental Laguna Sangha in Sebastopol for 20 years. Now, they shouldn't write that for 20 years. They should say since such and such a date because they'll leave this up for years, you know. <laughs> Pardon me. He has taught, so I don't know when this was written, but mm, could be, it's more than 20 years. He has taught meditation in prisons to veterans, was the director of a hospice program in Sonoma County for many years, and is a psychotherapist in private practice in Santa Rosa and Sebastopol. Uh, so uh, the Occidental Laguna Sangha in Sebastopol is his group. And if you just write Occidental Laguna Sangha, uh, .org, you will go to the website for that group. Uh, as he says in the podcast, they don't emphasize online uh, presence. Uh, it's mainly a word-of-mouth group in the uh, West Sonoma County area, and Sebastopol is the center of West Sonoma County. One thing you'll hear about in uh, this uh, podcast with Bruce is uh, his involvement with a movie called uh, Embers of Awakening from Firestorms to Climate Healing. Uh, it's um, a documentary he was heavily involved with about fires in his area, and they interview people, and uh, it deals with climate change. So um, the uh, website for it is listeningforachange.org forward slash fire projects.
So also, as it says in the podcast, Bruce uh, and I work together at Green Gulch. Uh, we've uh, been close, and you know, for decades. So um, I hadn't talked to him in like nine years, so it was great calling him up. Uh, so uh, listen, as soon as we've had our pause to meditate, let's give him a call, or let's <laughs> go to the call we gave him. <laughs> uh, so when you hear the bell, uh, hit pause if you're of such a mind and meditate or whatever for as long as you wish. And when you're ready to come back, hit unpause. And we'll be there to hit the bell to end the meditation or whatever. And we'll uh, get right into this conversation with Bruce Fortin. David? Bruce, hi there. How are you doing? <laughs> hi, David. Hi. Across the wide expanse. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, just a lot of calls and communication now go up and down to space and come back. And our, our inner space, uh, maybe not quite in outer space. Uh, you know what I mean? There's a point. Uh, at which they start calling it outer space, and a lot of the satellites are inside that. So you think this call was actually, you know, I'm a little not up to date on these things. This is uh, bouncing off a satellite, or is this going on a cable from Bali? No, it's not going on a cable. Good Lord, there's no cables. There's no cables that go that far. Oh, you mean they they discontinued those back in 1940, huh? I... I, okay. I know, no, they didn't. There's cables between uh, U.S. and Europe. And I don't know mm-hmm. about, you know, that's a good topic to research. I don't really know. Um, but I think I remember something about Russian uh, submarines near uh, where the cable was going from America to Europe and uh, military being concerned about that. Uh, and that wasn't that long ago, you know, like 10, 20 years ago. So anyway, Bruce, what are you up to? Well, I think pretty much what I've been up to for, I don't know, the last 20 years for various degrees of engagement. I still see clients, uh, some clients as a psychotherapist, um, but that's kind of winding down a little bit. But I'm teaching quite a bit. I do a a Sunday group I've been doing for, you know, Sunday Zen meditation group I've been doing for, geez, I don't know, 25 years, I guess, here in Sebastopol. And then I do a, tomorrow morning I do a group, and then Wednesday evening I have a study group I do, and then Thursday morning I have a group. So I'm pretty active in terms of trying to keep myself honest (laughs) with the Dharma (laughs) 
if I if I'm if yeah, you know, if I'm articulating it, I should be trying to bring myself into alignment, right? So, and you know, I'm still Ken and I. Yeah. and talk to Ken today. You know, we own a, we're still in our land partnership, and that's you know, as always been a really Ken Sawyer that it was always been a good decision on my part. It's really helped. So and Chris is teaching. My wife is Yeah. She's got a pretty active women's group and occasionally we come together and, you know, do a retreat together. I just did a session with yeah. Norman um a couple weeks ago by Zoom, which was in oh I made a and I made a movie. I helped to make I helped to make a movie on climate change. Uh, that uh, that Peter, I got Peter Coyote to pro bono narrate it, and I'm really proud of that in this nonprofit. So anyway, that's kind of a little bit of a sketch of what I've been up to. Oh, that's really good. What's, uh, tell me about this climate change movie. Well, I was in, you know, my son teaches uh, in Oakland, so I wanted to kind of re-engage, you know, what is it, what's the life of a teacher like in grade school in inner city Oakland, and so I joined a local nonprofit called Listening for Change, and basically what they do is they go in to grade schools primarily and get people to talk to each other, you know, people that they're not used to talking to, you know, different colors, different jobs, the police, whatever. But they also video them, and so when the fires swept through here, you know, I don't know, if, you know, we've, we've had three now in the last five years, we've been evacuated twice. We went out and actually filmed the fires. And like Chris's sister, uh, who you may have met, lost her home. She's in Santa Rosa. So we actually filmed it. And then we filmed it. The footage was so powerful that we, over the last couple of years, we've actually kind of woven together, you know, what are the climate change implications around that? So we had a you know, um, uh, the environmental professor at Sonoma State talked a lot about it, and a couple other knowledgeable people talked about it. And Chris and I actually had a small role. They asked us, you know, what was our take as a, you know, as a Buddhist priest? And uh, I thought it was pretty good. You know, they, they mm. covered, you know, impacts on migrant workers and how we put them at risk i was i was pretty impressed i actually was seeing it with peter and he even he thought it was a pretty good documentary so now we're submitting it to huh. film festivals and uh, we'll see what happens with it but i'm 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 pleased with it i feel good that we did our little you know little bit of our share um what sort of technical help did you have in terms of uh, operating the camera and the sound and uh, editing? Well, I didn't and do. We actually we had to raise about two hundred thousand dollars to put this film out. This wasn't a you know a real low budget thing. So we had so we had real professional camera people and and we hired a professional editor that has done a lot of documentaries and so I think it's a pretty professional yeah. product. You know, it wasn't like. I mean, some of the original film footage of the fire and the houses burning, you know, that was done with, you know, by people on the spot. But, no, it was pretty pretty professional, actually. Yeah. Well, it was done with, uh, like, iPhones a lot. Well, uh, some of it was at the beginning, you know, but uh, the, late, the interviews, a lot of it's interviews, and that was all. I know when they came out and interviewed us, I was impressed yeah. with the, the professional quality of yeah. it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, iPhones, the newer iPhones are very high quality. Uh, you know, uh, uh, journalists and, you know, newspaper people and, well, you know, uh, not just newspapers, web news. They've been using iPhones for a long time for interviews and, you know, they go to, a, a, you know, some politician is giving a press conference. Uh, so uh, I look forward to seeing this. That's really great. Oh, let me give you the, let me give you the name of it. Uh, it's called... Uh, uh, oh, yeah. It's called, Embers of Awakening, which means from the embers of the fires here, hopefully, you know, climate change is, we're going to awaken to the necessity of doing whatever we can. Embers of Awakening. So that's the title of it. And if, it, and if there's any yeah. way that it shows up in your neck of the woods, which, you know, I kind of doubt, I'll, um, I'll let you know. Why would you doubt that? There's a very popular international film nope. festival in Bali that's run by a woman that's a five-minute nope. walk from well, here. If she's interested, have her give me a And you should submit it call. to her. You should. I'll, t I'll turn her on to the director. No, no, I won't have her give you a call. No, no. I don't have her give you a call. Uh, I give you her oh, okay. contact info. Well, that would be good to do that. That would uh, be cool. Yeah, we'd be, I'd yeah. be happy. I would, yeah. Actually, I'll have the director, of the, who is the producer and the director, give her a call. That'd be great. And what about, I should ask you what you're doing, but probably whoever's listening to this already knows what you're doing. So <laughs> we can have that another conversation. I'm doing the same old stuff, you know, uh, working on... Uh, uh, Shinya Suzuki lecture. Uh, I've been editing audio. I'm working with other people. They're actually doing more work on it, and I'm more like a consultant. Um, I'm uh, starting to make audio book for uh, Thank You and Okay. Uh, I'm, uh, you, you know, there's there's work on the websites and pod, there's six podcasts a week. There's blog posts, Instagram, all that stuff, and I'm uh, doing music. I spend about a day a week on music, have a little band, and we, we're we uh, putting up uh, six-song albums. Uh, uh, just The third one is just about ready uh, to Well, I, you know, I was pleased to um, hear that you were getting back to that aspect of your Creativity had been so. You're writing, doing some writing, lyrics. Oh, I've always written songs. This is just, uh, you know, I haven't written a lot here like I did at some points in my life. But I think I've averaged a song every three months here. So um, what I haven't done is I haven't done. I've always recorded them and put them on DiffuserMusic.com my music site, but to actually produce them with good musicians, it's too expensive. I've done that a few times in America, but, you know, it'll end up costing $30,000 and stuff. Here, it's it's less than a tenth mm -hmm. of, of the cost. Uh, and very, very uh, good musicians and studios. Yeah, and probably a lot like of... Uh, yeah. Well, listen, I'm going to just forget to tell you this, but 
do you remember Richard Spiel, who helped you uh, went through some of the transcripts for uh, you know, yeah, he did some uh, yeah. early. Anyway, uh, he ended up light light kind of or something. He and about eight other people ended up coming to my Thursday Petaluma meditation group, and so they come almost you know every Thursday and now every Sunday. So there's Richard, who you you know I don't know if I could get him meditating every day, but at least I get him a couple days a week. He's such a kind of a sweet guy. You know. Anyway, he's been he's been sitting yeah. in my group along with eight other people that were in the farm with me in Tennessee that I hadn't seen for thirty years. How's that for early? Oh uh, wow! You know, early seeds planted by Suzuki Roshi. You know that. Uh, anyway, it's kind of marvel at the whole thing. A couple of them actually are doing Jukai, uh, uh, lay ordination for people that don't know. In uh, in the next couple months, <laughs> amazing, huh? <laughs> That's great. That's great. Uh, yeah, uh, Richard, I remember going over. He's in Petaluma, and he was running uh, the yeah. homeless shelter there yeah. for years. Uh, and he posts a, a an epiphany every day on uh, Facebook. Oh, I didn't know that. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he's a really nice guy. Yeah, he, I, I can't remember exactly what, but years ago, like, uh, in the nineteen uh, late nineteen nineties, he was helping out with some stuff. Uh, Maybe the early two yeah. thousands. While yeah, I was while in, Sebastopol, in Sebastopol, I remember. Exactly. It. Yeah. I was always kind of amazed at how he, how you two hooked up, you know, and the, he just wanted to help, you know. Sukiroshi, even though he wasn't yeah. really a, you know, wasn't a Zen student at all, it was just his way of uh, wanting to contribute to a good cause. Yeah, yeah. Well, volunteers uh, have made Duke Archives yeah. what it is, uh, and especially uh, Peter Ford, uh, and recently went uh -huh. Wendy Piercig. Uh, Peter Ford, uh, I, don't, I don't know how long, a dozen years or so. In fact, I'm calling him the managing director of uh, Duke Archives. Uh, he's, he, and he's been working with uh, Shundo yeah. David Hayes, uh, you know, priest in the San Francisco yeah. Zen Center, who's a, a recording sure, I engineer. I and, uh, and, and he's a partner with Charlie Wilson in Engage Wisdom, which has been working on uh, uh, the uh, Shunyu Suzuki audio uh, tapes and stuff, uh, and uh, uh, he and he, I'm daily, I'm daily uh, emails with them, but they're doing a lot more work on it than I'm just consulting. I'm I'm working on the lectures too, so I have stuff to send them. But they're uh, uh, what they're doing is really great. Anyway, um, well, you have a you have uh, a very look, so huge network of connections, David. I can see. You'll never run out of people to talk to <laughs> for podcasts. So what's happening? This conversation uh, right now, like, where is this going to be? Just fine if it's just between you and us. But I'm just curious, what? who, who else could listen to this? Oh, well, it'll be on YouTube and oh. Spotify. And uh, it's, uh, uh, it's on uh, the host is Podbean. And... Um, 
you know, it'll go up. This won't go up for about a month because I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, you know, I post one a week. Uh, 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 and uh, sometimes I, I throw in, in, in the week one uh, called Life in Bali. Uh, and there's a guy who does a plastic exchange here, a, a Balinese guy I want to... I want to do a David, podcast. Me, with, I haven't been to Bali. Um, for, I've only been once, and the and uh, I still have this very vivid memory, which I can't remember what beach we were staying in. If you said a couple of them, it was definitely in the tourist section. But well, let me tell you what it was. It's like every morning, yeah. people would go out and gather up all the plastic that had washed up on the beach, and then they'd bury it under the sand. And then, of course, the tide would come in That's right. and they'd dig still it up do that. again, and then they'd it'd wash in the next day. So things have got, have had to get better. How, how's the plastic situation? No, there no, no, no. Now? They're worse. They're worse. You were over yeah, in Kuta or Seminyak, yeah. probably. Uh, or, you know, possibly Nusa, Dua, or uh, Changu, but... Most likely Kuta. Uh, we're on the other side of the peninsula, but we're still in the in the south, which well, is you're the, not around. Uh, you're not around uh, Ubud. No, Ubud's uh, not on the no, coast. No, I know, it's, but is uh, that, I, we actually st- we had a we almost somebody came up and you know did one of those things where they wanted us to build a house and then it would be our house and use it when we wanted. But you're not living around. I thought at one point you were living around Ubud. Well, it's just uh, an oh, okay. hour north. I'm, I've kind of got you here. located now. Yeah, I mean the furthest place uh-huh. is four hours. <laughs> that Bali is the size about size of uh, Marin and Sonoma uh-huh. counties combined. Uh, uh, so, uh, and uh, we live in Sonor, uh, which is part of Dimpasar. And, uh, you know, this whole south is like one continuous metropolitan area. And uh, we live near a uh, beach in the Murtasari area. So, listen, I want to ask you about, uh, uh, I want to hear more about what you're doing now. I want to hear about uh, your involvement with Steve Gaskin and the farm and coming to the Zen Center. Uh, so, uh, just take off anywhere you want. Uh, you could start when you were a little tiny baby and you had your first inklings of uh, of uh, bodhicitta and desire for enlightenment. <laughs> That's interesting. You know, you would prompt that. I, uh, yeah, when I was a kid, I was in Seattle, and before TV, that dates me, and I would go up to the Asian Art Museum, and when I came, they used to give free shows to the kids. And I came out of the showroom at the Asian Art Museum, and there was a statue of Avalokiteshvara with a thousand silver arms. So I must have been, you know, like four, five, six. And it kind of mesmerized me. And uh, I kind of wandered around the museum. I turned out later that Gary Snyder actually went down and, you know, was kind of an influence. I don't know what point in his life. So who's to know where the seeds are planted? And then I... In high school, I went from a segregated, back then, high school in Virginia. My dad was an oceanographer, to Hawaii. 
And uh, mm. which kind of, I went to the same school Obama went to, Punahou. And the kids, it was a little hard to make friends, you know. Mm. I wasn't an athlete. And so the kids that actually made friends with me were the Asian kids. And there was something that happened there where I got mm. started to get really interested in Asian culture pretty early. And I was lucky. In high school, I had some friends that were actually reading, you know, in Buddhism. And... Uh, uh, where were you in high uh, school? It was called Punahou. It's the same school, same high school that Barack Obama went to, actually. It's kind of, it was a Howley, what they call a white Howley school. You know, back then it was set up by missionaries. But now it's, you know, now it's yeah, yeah. probably whites are in the minority, which is great. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, some yeah. seeds were planted there, and they just continued to be. You know, I, I guess I just started relating as a Buddhist pretty early, you know, even in high school, 1959. And then it just took, you know, through ups and downs, ebbs and wanes. Uh, and then I ended up in the Peace Corps, and that turned things around. You know, I, I was, Where? I, I was Where? in Uganda just right before mm-hmm. Idi Amin, but I was stationed at a missionary school up on this mountain, Mount Elgon, and... Uh, I had a lot of spare time, and I, I went from thinking I was going to be a you know criminal defense lawyer, entertainment criminal defense lawyer, razzmatazz, because I had done a little of that work before I left. But I had a lot of fallow time, and I just read books, and it was kind of a two-year retreat for me. Besides, you know, doing some traveling. So when mm. I came back, you know, it was. It was the time, and I traveled for about eight months around the world, a lot of places that you've been, you know, in India and Thailand and mostly in Asia, and uh, came back in the early 70s and then started to do some pretty heavy-duty legal work with the Lawyers Guild, with the Black Panthers, and uh, and I had to make a decision. You know, at one point, somebody came up to me and and said, you know, we're going to blow up the police station, and if we get caught, we want you to defend us. I was actually living in a oh. commune. I was affiliated with the commune at that time in the hate that Tommy Dorsey actually started. They used to talk about this guy, Tommy Dorsey, who was at this place called Pasara. And uh, I thought, well, that's interesting. But I decided when that guy came, I thought, you know, I don't want to go down this road. This is not where I wanted to go. So I started to attend lectures at Zen Center, and Suzuki Roshi was still alive. What year? So what that year, must have been year? uh, two years, year and a half before he died, probably. 70, 69, 70. 70. So, um, mm-hmm. but Zen Center, I wanted to, I was kind of ready to get a little more further out. So, meaning, you know, I psychedelics and that's how i hooked up with the Stephen gaskin and when i ended up being the lawyer for the farm for the first year and a half and that was where uh my first meditation group was we actually just you know we would meditate on sunday the whole group for an hour but it wasn't like a discipline thing and a couple of us who you know myth and hunt and leah trish and I started to meditate on the farm, and at some point it just became obvious to me that I'd kind of run my course with, you know, marijuana and psychedelics, 
and uh, came to Zen Center, and that was it. You know, thirteen years. When did you come? When, what been, year was that? I, well, I I first came for about six months before Suzuki Roshi died, and then I came right after he died. I actually went to his. Were you at? The, you remember? Were you down there at Tassajara when we interned his ashes? Well, I was there. Yeah. I, I remember hiking in. I just come back. I spent a couple of weeks at, at uh, Tassajara, and yeah, so we were there at that ceremony, and then I stayed, and that's where I think you were actually the when work, you say we, I think you were we. the work leader. I remember you being the work leader at City Center on a word fast. That's what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm pretty. I think that's pretty accurate. I think you were the work leader, and you were on a word fast. And uh, yeah, that's when we started our relationship. And then I left, of course, and I guess '84, and then came up here and ran a hospice program during the AIDS epidemic, and uh, and pretty much did that. Kind of left Zen practice for a while, but didn't leave practice. Ended up studying with Tibetans and at Spirit Rock. But then I came back. You know, I was. I felt like I was a little too much of a lone wolf, and I people shouldn't you know should have some people they can check in with. So um, Norman actually made sense to me. So he was the one that gave me transmission, and so I've been doing that since I guess about '95. Actually, formally running a group since about '95, and so that's in a nutshell mm-hmm. kind of my trajectory. And you know, I'm of course still on the learning curve. Mhm. Mhm. Uh yeah, I used to walk to sit with you on what day was that Sunday? Yeah, uh it was Sundays, it still is Sundays. And uh yeah, I remember yeah. you came a couple times exactly. <laughs> still happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, still I probably yeah. have all, you know almost the same number of people I had I have now as I had then, but now we have Zoom. So people are spread out. We're trying to figure out how to integrate, mm-hmm. you know, Zoom teaching with, with in-person because you, you really got to, I, I think anyway, uh, in-person sitting together in one room is really where it's at. I'm not committed to being a Zoom Zen teacher. You're you know, not I doing that been, now? Uh, that's what we did for two years. I just totally on Zoom. No, no, now. Yeah, I no, said now. now. Now Are you it's doing a that hybrid. now. We just started meeting in person at the teen center where you'd been in Sebastopol, and then I also do yeah. Zoom. Yeah. So it's a hybrid. Half about half the people yeah. on Zoom, and half the people uh, show up in person. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I been I was there more than a couple of times. I remember. Uh, Sitting with you a few times when you were very close to where I lived up oh, by right. the Safeway. Yeah, no, that was actually a block uh, away from you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, and then, but even going down to the teen center was, you know, a 10-minute right. walk yeah. or something. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and that was a very nice building. That was a good building for you. Uh, and I brought people there every now and then. Um, well, you're always a good connector, David. Yeah. You always are hooking up people. That's good. Do you sit with people there? Uh, do you have an, a little sitting group that you sit with? I know you do retreats. 
you know, there's a local group that, uh, you know, of, uh, I guess of uh, Terra Viden group that you've done retreats with. Right. Right. Um, uh, I, I sit every morning here. Uh, that's, that's what I've done for yeah. decades. You know, it's just sit every morning. And I do, uh, I do a walking meditation and a sitting meditation. Yeah, the uh, Vipassana retreats, uh, which I really like, have uh, got me more into uh, walking yeah. meditation, which is uh, a little different from doing keening. Keening is like a way to stretch yeah. your legs no, for I, 10 I, minutes between zazens. There's a local one up here, yeah. uh, Abdigiri, and you can go up and uh, I've done, re so I understand that. And I appreciate it. And actually, I yeah. I do. I've integrated walking meditation very much, you know, more into my practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the Vipassana retreats I've been to, it's an hour of walking and then an hour of sitting, and it always starts in the morning with walking, you know, in the dark, uh, and uh, that just goes on all day long, and. Uh, uh, and and uh, the uh, meditation, the type of vipassana that the uh, Burmese uh, Myanmar monks that have come here, and the founder of the uh, the the uh, the Theravadan connected uh, Buddhist temple up north, really the practice uh, temple in terms of it having retreats. It doesn't have daily. I've been. I, I think I visited that temple. When I was there, it's pretty oh, yeah. well established, right? I mean, it's not a small thing; it's a big deal. And I, and I actually thought about doing a yeah. Oh, it's a lot bigger now. When were you here? What year were you here? Oh, geez, I don't know. It must be, uh, you know, I just can't. I just oh, let's see. I could, yeah, I can't figure that out. Let's see. Left and eight. Ten years ago, twenty years no, ago. No, it was ninety, probably ninety-one or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was founded in like 76 yeah. by uh, Giri, who was Balinese. Um, uh -huh. And uh, uh -huh. uh, yeah, when he retired, he wanted to, uh, trying to choose between becoming a Buddhist priest or a Hindu. And his <laughs> wife told him to be a Buddhist because uh, they couldn't have sex. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, she didn't want him flandering around. Uh, uh and uh, so he went to Myanmar and, and uh, came back and founded it. Dalai Lama was at the uh, oh. at the uh, installation, oh, or, really? you know, of it. Uh -huh. And uh, it's grown a lot since you were there, and it has enormous financial support. Uh, so they have beautiful statues, pagoda, a. a uh, uh, oh, you know, more than that. And um, but they have very serious uh, vipassana yeah. retreats led by Theravadan uh, monks. I did one with a woman. Did they have monks that come from Burma or? or yeah. They well, they're they're uh, uh, they're they're um, all ones that have uh, centers somewhere else in the world. Uh -huh. uh, my favorite was the one from uh, Singapore, who has the. Oh. And uh, there's a woman who's uh, who has a center in uh, Java, mm, uh, and uh, uh, she's a renegade because you know women aren't 
qualified right, exactly, and yeah. terrified to do that. Yeah. But she she said, to heck with you. And I loved her retreat. It was great. Uh-huh. And it, But she was very strict. Uh, it was like we were getting up at 3.30 and going to bed at 10. And uh, there were just no breaks. Uh, I mean, Say that again, you could, 3.30, going to bed at 10. So, that sounds like a Tassar session. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, there was no break. After meals or anything, I mean, you could, you could. They're they're not real authoritarian here. I mean, you could take a break, and, and they just she didn't want anybody washing any clothes, and all all the others, you know, people would wash some clothes. I wasn't going to bring that much clothes, so all I had to do was wash a t-shirt and underwear. So that was a t- that's a, a seven or a ten. That 10 was day like retreat. eleven days. Uh, yeah, oh, really. Uh-huh. And uh, cool. It makes a lot of sense to me in some ways to do an hour of walking right. and an hour of sitting. It just, you know, there's. A, it, it, I like. The, I actually like the longer periods of meditation. I think in some ways, then short changes that aspect. You know, but Suzuki wanted to do fifty minute periods. He might have started with fifty minutes, so and he always he wanted say, to do them. Uh, wait, fifty. How many of, of walking? Five o, five o. No, Zanshin. Yeah, city, yeah, right. He wanted to do fifty-minute, yeah, uh, periods of Zazen. Uh but um, you know he succumbed to the. Uh, <laughs> well, I know that story in your book. You know, you know, I want to do fifty, and somebody else wanted to do thirty or something. He said, "Well, let's compromise on 40. I remember that. Right. That aspect. That's right. Yeah. Right. That was Duran Kiefer uh, said that. Yeah, right. He was an older guy. He was an older guy, a ship captain. Yeah. So when uh, you sit, you sit one straight hour and then you walk for one hour. Is that right? Me? By myself? No, no, no. I no, do what no, I want. When you're doing a retreat. No, yeah, in the retreats. They do one hour uh, of sitting. That's challenging. I, you know, I, I have a hard time sitting an hour in my age. Oh, yeah. Look, uh, I don't know if I'll do another one. Uh, there's another type of retreat that happens here that's a lot easier. And, you know, the the Vipassana retreats, um, uh, there's no community. Yeah. Uh, the people that come from all over, I mean, they sign up. Oh, uh, meditation in Bali, how beautiful. They sign oh. up for it. And then they have no idea that they're going into a grueling ordeal. <laughs> You know, well, that and sounds be, like a Zen. That sounds like a Zen session. That's the way. Yeah. You know. And now there'll be all these young people going, "Oh God!" You know, and their legs are hurting them, and they have, you know, people will drop out. Usually, not many. And there'll be two or three uh, dropouts. The men have a harder time than the women. The women might complain more, but it's always foreigners that complain and. Uh, you know, are uh-huh. there's there's a lot of Indonesians come. Uh, it'll be at least half Indonesians. Kind of amazing and, to uh, think that all of Java was, or most of it was Buddhist at one point. Yeah, we yeah. visit when we were there. We went to Borobudur. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's one of the wonders yeah, of the great. world for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and there's that whole area has a, a lot to offer. That's around mm-hmm. Joe. Jogjakarta, yeah, and uh, oh yeah, it's a very appealing area, uh, and it's you know it's more together than here, and uh, 
cleaner and uh, uh, you were talking about plastic on the beach. Uh, see, we don't get that much plastic here on this side of the peninsula because of the currents or whatever. They get so much plastic in Kuta, Semenyak, oh, that whole area uh, in uh, right February and March that, that they have to have trucks coming in and bulldozers hauling off tons and tons every day. You can't get into the water. I've, oh I've done God, it. I've tested worse. it. Jesus. Oh, worse I've tested it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was I, I went into it to see what it's like. I oh. mean it's not it's not really dirty. It's just a lot uh -huh. there was some piece of plastic I, I estimated like every uh foot. So wow. we're talking about in, in three dimensional terms. Wow. So there'd be a piece wow. of plastic and there would be one above it a foot, mm -hmm. below it a foot, to the left, to the right, and front and back, oh. and that everywhere as far as yeah, you can no, see. We didn't. And it was coming in with mountains on the shore. Uh, and uh, uh, Indonesia puts more plastic in the ocean per capita than any country in the world. Oh. Uh, and they're aware of it, and they're trying to do something about it, but they're a little slow. Yeah. Uh, um, well, yeah. Say, all right. So I want to go back uh, to uh, you were coming to lectures given by Junior Suzuki. Right. What was your impression? Do you have anything to say about that? Yeah. <laughs> the medium is the message. In other words, how he was, how he carried his body, how he lifted a teacup you know, uh, was the message. And, uh, like, that was it. I saw. I saw a picture of it. And so the words were kind of secondary. Although I have to tell you that I, let's see, I just finished in my Wednesday evening group uh, going through uh, uh, Not Always So. It took me three years to go through that book. And now I'm starting with a Thursday group or starting on Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. And, you know, it's just, it's just every sentence is like this guy. You know, I, I, I'm not a – I love Dogen, but I think he's overemphasized. I just don't think he's very accessible to Western people. And Suzuki Roshi, you know, just digests Dogen. He digests what Zen practice is, and he just gives it back to you. It's just all right there. I don't, I'm not sure you need to go anywhere else, to be honest with you. I, I think in some ways modern, I think the modern people, you know, they, they, wanna, they think they're going to get something better by going to Dogen, but actually Zuccaroshi is so much more accessible, you know. He uh, was incredibly yeah. brilliant. It was amazing, actually. I have heard others whose opinions I respect say that um, uh, Kaz Tanahashi translator of Dogen said that in so many words and others Lou Richmond and uh, well anyway uh, I would suggest that you you know um, the, the 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 lectures you're dealing with uh, you can see the original transcripts mm -hmm. and in some cases the original audio uh, uh, you can get it you know, at shunyusuzuki.com. Uh, and uh, you might want to 
look at that too. Ed does a really good job of uh, editing. It, the, the edited versions are more accessible. And the second book is every bit is good. Ed's, you know, is every bit as good as I think Zen Mind Beginner's Mind. But yeah, I'll be interesting yeah. to see what uh, the one that Mel. You know that book's going to come out. That you know anything about that when it's coming out? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, he, he has two books coming out. What one uh, edited lectures? He does very minimal edits, uh-huh. uh, and uh, he worked a lot with Michael Winger. Uh, yeah, it'll be good. It, it uh, Ed does uh, a more literary edit, like mm-hmm. uh, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. But but they're very good and they're very accurate. Um, uh, usually, I think there was one point at which <laughs> he we had Ed Ed didn't use the verbatim transcripts. He used the older transcripts that had um, you know uh, various mistakes in them that uh, uh, and. Uh, I remember there was one thing where it was, it was like there was the word he was using, man, and it turned out it was really mind. But he said, "Well, I like man better." <laughs> there, was, there was something like that. Uh, wow. <laughs> um, but that doesn't matter. Uh, the 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 uh, edited ones come through better. Uh, incidentally, we have s- several hundred. We've made several hundred light edits of. Of Suzuki's lectures that are on shunyuSuzuki.com, so someone doesn't have to trudge through the verbatim, which is much oh. less accessible. Oh, I deal uh-huh. with the verbatim. Uh-huh. Um, a new a new light edit just went up today. The first ones went up uh-huh. in uh, 1999. Uh-huh. So it's been an ongoing oh, thing. All right, let's go back. So, let me just make sure because I haven't accessed those. So these are lectures that you don't find in the two books, and they're light edited. Some of them is that? Did I just hear that right? Well, uh, the lectures in the books are all there. Okay, sure. And and hundreds of lectures that aren't in the books are there. <laughs> Everything. Shunyuzuzuki.com. Literally hundreds. Yeah, Shunyuzuzuki.com uh, has in the lecture archive has. Everything uh, that that we could find, it has. There's there's uh, two or three of the lectures come from interviews with people who knew him in Japan, like his son saying, "Well, this you know, this is the sort of thing that he would say." And uh-huh. so that's entered as the first lecture. Mm-hmm. The second, there might be one more from Japan, and and then. Uh, uh, Kazumitsu Kato told uh, about his first lecture in America. That's on there. Uh, it's uh, he didn't say anything basically, uh, and then uh, uh, then there's another one. Uh, yeah, and uh, then uh, things that were in the wind belt that that uh, were quoting him are where he did something for the wind belt, and then it doesn't exist anymore. There, that's there. Uh, some interviews are there, so um, and uh, uh, lectures. Yeah, it's got like over four hundred uh, entries in that. 
things he said in, in Zazen that were recorded by somebody. Um, and then there's brief memories, uh, interviews, you know, and other stuff. That we got his we got all the letters that survived very few and art, calligraphy, you know. Um, anyway, all right, let's go back. So um Thanks for all uh, that work, David. Yeah, it's amazing. I you know, even that you take all the old students, you just click on their name and then you can find out what they had to say. I just browsed around that a couple of weeks ago, actually. That was amazing. Yeah. Anyway, thanks. Well, hundreds of hours of work. It's your, it's your life work. Hundreds? Actually. Hundreds? Are you kidding? <laughs> Tens uh-huh. of thousands. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, at, but, um, you know, uh, you know, I can tell you right now, I'll go, shit, there's, there's, there's Bruce's, I need to get something together better about Bruce, you know. I might not have a single page for you, so I'll make a page for you, and then I'll put that there. What, what are you doing now? And anything <laughs> from the past I can find. Uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, that can take, uh, you know, half a day. So uh, you send me anything yeah, you want. Sure. Yeah. Well, like I read, like I read up, I read up on Stephen Gaskin, and you had all all kinds of stuff in there that I didn't know about. You know, you interviewed uh-huh. his daughter. I thought, wow, you got this is amazing. You know more about this guy than I did. And I actually, I actually lived on his commune for a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, you were his lawyer. I was. Um, yeah. 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 So. You uh, now, Stephen Gaskin would bring people to uh, Zen Center to hear Suzuki talk. At least he did it a few times. Yeah, uh, and he revered Suzuki, right. uh, and he sort of and he he went to Suzuki and talked to him. You know, yeah, uh, you have that. You actually have that, which I didn't know about actually. Kind of interesting how you described that. I didn't actually know that story. How he showed up yeah. when Suzuki Roshi was dying, and and actually said Roshi saw him. Yeah, yeah, uh, and um, you know he had a his own uh, uh, way of teaching it. This stuff now. What uh, what you you were you were at Gringo for some time because uh, I was the work leader there and and uh, uh, Richard Baker's uh, Jisha. I was his main Jisha. Uh, there was Jisha each place, so some of the, if it was something do you remember, more important, David, I'd go with him. Do you, remember, do you remember I took over making tables from you? Right, right, sure. Yeah. You, were, uh, you started it, I took over, but then they discovered that I really didn't have any carpentry skills, <laughs> and they took it away from me. They they realized I was going to be more of an administrator, <laughs> which was a good call on their part, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I and uh, so I learned some things about the firm from you. Uh, of course, I knew that they were into marijuana. They believed in marijuana as a uh, sacrament, uh, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and um, but also uh, uh, believed in talking. Yeah. Uh, so you talk things out. To, uh, what, what 
And uh, can I tell you a story uh, about that? Yeah, I want to hear about that. Okay, so that was it. You know, it was and that was that movement around Synanon and Encounter, and the idea is that people would look at you and they would, you know, they would give you feedback. The idea was to give feedback, and uh, the idea is you would hear the feedback and you would adjust. But actually, in reality. <laughs> <laughs> That's a limited strategy because what happens, most people contract and they get defensive. But the story I wanted to tell you, so my first Ogasan with Richard Baker is I went into him and I said, here's what my practice has been. You know, my practice has been is you look at people, you see what it is, and then you try to tell them what's wrong with them. And you try to do it, you know, you try to do it compassionately. So what, what, what rule it, what, what role is that? It doesn't seem that that's what's happening here at Zen Center. And so he told me something. This is one of the wisest things he actually said to me. He says, well, he says, our way is a little different. He says, that way is like you have a bunch of, I love the metaphor, actually. He said, there's a bunch of cue balls on the table. And uh, he says, it's like you're always keeping the balls in motion. They never stop. And they just a ricocheting off everybody. He says, our way is more to get all the balls to just be quiet and sit still. <laughs> I, 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 so, and that really stuck with that one teaching really stuck with me, that kind of difference, you know, the really that you just sit and, you know, try to pay attention more to your, what, you know, what's your reactivity? <laughs> Learn from about mm. your reactivity rather than trying to, you know, Zagroshi was very clear about that. He says it's about your, what your own mind is doing, not trying to change the external world. Although, of course, yeah. you know, there's ways that we have to uh, alleviate suffering, and how do we do that? And that's always the cone, right? It's how do we, how do we feel suffering, you know, because we have to feel it, but without understanding that how we react to it is primarily our responsibility. Yeah. Anyway, that was a good... That was, uh, yeah. I appreciated that. It was a little hard when I first came to Zen Center because the strictness was very much in the forms. You showed up, you sat, you didn't move, and you just trusted being with yourself, being present with yourself, that something would happen, you know, rather than just going around and, you know, ganging up on people and getting them, getting them to change. Uh-huh. 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 Right. That's really funny. Well, yeah. one thing I remember about you when you were when you came is, you know, the the idea at Zen Center was always uh uh that we work silently. Uh before there was Tasahara at Sokoji, we'd have a morning work period and of course it would be silent. It was, you know, after Zazen and I guess after breakfast. Uh, but then with Tassahara, it's supposed to be silent. But, you know, then you're, you're living there, and you're there all the time, and people are talking, and Dick would talk when he was working. And, you know, everybody, he'd, he'd be there, and he was like the head monk. Or, and before, and, you know, he was the head student, clearly. And people would be trying to be quiet, and then he'd start, or he'd ask people's questions. And, and Suzuki would do the same thing. Uh, although, basically, he, he liked to work concentrated and quietly. I mean, very much so. But uh, he wouldn't do that if he was working. But if there was, uh, say, a, uh, people were sitting around 
and mm-hmm. trying to be quiet, he might say something to mm-hmm. sort of break the ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, all right, so you were assigned to work with me. I guess I assigned you. I was the work leader. <laughs> uh, and uh, what I noticed with you is, is that, uh, yeah, you were used to talking, uh, and um, that didn't, I, I didn't care. I, didn't, I just wanted to get work done. But you would stop working to talk. And I went, hey, wait. You, you can say what you're going to say, but keep working. <laughs> but, but you were, you know, trying to say something, and you were putting your attention into it. And uh, that's how, you know, and then we talked about that, and that's how I learned that that was the uh, practice at the farm in Tennessee. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. You you know, precisely. Also, there's a cultural uh, element to that, David. There there aren't a lot of, <clears throat> I don't know why, but not a lot of Italian-Americans at Zen Center that I ran into. And I just got back from Seattle, and I, I celebrated my birthday up there with five Italian-American cousins. And from 7 in the morning till 10 at night, they do not stop talking. It's just non-stop. <laughs> I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. Five is in the room, usually three talking at the same time. And I just realized that was the environment <laughs> I kind of grew up in. Although my father was really? from Montana, he was very quiet. That's the only way he could have been married to my Italian mother, who was born in Italy, actually. Yeah, I was oh. raised, I'm very, and I'm still to this day, very verbal, and uh, that's one more reason why um, being a therapist has been a good, it was a better practice for me than being a lawyer. Lawyer encouraged uh-huh. my verbal, my verbosity, but being a, a Zen student and a psychotherapist, it really has encouraged me to, uh, you know, listen more. But I'm still very much, uh, even at 80, I'm still very much at work in process, I still talk too much. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's. Uh, um, I have. I have uh, probably no Italian, but uh, um, I've. Uh, I once said, I don't think a day has gone by in my life where somebody hasn't told me to to be quieter. Uh, <laughs> and uh, well, you're Texan. Uh, you're Texan, David. That's very close to being an Italian. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so at some point, you know, Steve Gaskin had this Monday night class, right? And it was very well known. Uh, there was a book Monday night yeah. class, yeah. right? Did you ever Something go like to that. Monday night class? No, I never did. Uh huh. Okay. I, I was not interested in shopping around. Uh, uh, so I did get to know some other teachers, but I wasn't interested in being their student. You know. I got to know Mizumi pretty well. And I visited Sasaki a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I liked him. I still like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he was great. I have a great interview with him uh, on cuke.com. Uh, you ought to read it, man. One thing I really liked about Zen Center, though, was there wasn't an idea there that this is the best teacher in the world and uh, this is the only place to be. Uh, people would leave and go to other teachers. Yeah, people, I think that's, I mean, people left, right? 
some people went and studied, a lot of people have, not a lot, but some went and studied with Trungpa, you know? No, a lot, oh, a lot uh -huh. went and studied with Trungpa. And Suzuki encouraged it. Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, he was very close with Trungpa. But some people would go study other things while continuing with him, uh, sit with other people, do other things, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and... Uh, uh, I mean, that, that's a, a, an anathema to Japanese way. In, ja in Japan, mm -hmm. you choose one thing and you stick with it and you never consider whether it's mm -hmm. the better or not or anything like that. Um, but um, uh, so uh, then at some point, Gaskin decided to go to um, uh, Tennessee. Tennessee and have that farm. And, yeah. and you went with him. Yeah. Yeah, I did. That was quite a. And there was that was quite a that was quite an experience. I'll tell you. That was that a caravan experience across country and finding the farm and you know actually made you know everybody was living on school buses for the first year. Yeah, and raising pot and then getting busted and then yeah, lots happened. Oh yeah, and and uh, I remember, and but it was a very serious, well run. Uh, farm. I mean, yeah. it was big. Yeah. I remember something about, um, uh, you know, like shipping containers or. Uh, no, I don't remember that. But let me tell you one little story. I just told you yeah. about Dave. I told you about David Spiel. You know that used to help you translate. Right. He was on the farm. They stayed. Not there for translate. A not translate. Not translate. Just I don't know what he did for you, but anyway. Yeah, I translate. But anyway, I ran into him. Well, he, I see him every week on Zoom, but I saw him in person, and he and his wife Linda asked me, "Why did you leave the farm?" Mm -hmm. And I said, "I left the farm because my stomach was always in a knot. Oh. Everybody was so up. There wasn't enough compassion. There wasn't enough." you know, acceptance, compassion, that wasn't what was emphasized. You know, it was, you know, Stephen Gaskin actually was in the Marine Corps. Actually, I think it was an MP in the Marine Corps. And he was very <laughs> much into, you know, uh, uh, thinking. He was in his thinking mind and, uh, you know, wasn't in his heart enough and his heart enough. And um, that really came through, you know, and I just... I know I knew that I needed something that emphasized more acceptance and more stillness, you know, uh, and more meditation. I knew that was that was going to be my medicine. I, I said, "What do you think about having a more? What do you think about doing more of a meditation practice?" And he said, "Yeah, I know. I like to meditate. I like to go out in the woods and smoke. You know, have a joint and just be in the woods. You know." I, I wanted something uh -huh. a little more. I guess I needed something a little more structured than that, you know. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, that's that's very. So there were, really you know, like a lot of communes, a lot of you know, not such good feelings. Eventually, you know, absolute power tends to corrupt, and uh, you know, I think you assume too much authority without enough checks and balances, and it catches up with you. You you just quoted that correctly. 
it's almost never quoted correctly. <laughs> it's usually people say absolute power corrupts absolutely. Uh, the, the, the original quote, I can't remember where it comes from right now, is power corrupts absolute power tends to corrupt absolutely. It's tends to, and you said that. Uh, That's very unusual. Yeah. Uh, so you get a gold star for that. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. um, so I remember you saying when we were working together, you, you, you'd been practicing law and you'd been, uh, you'd been dealing with, uh, like, uh, mm, the people who, well, like you took a bunch of, uh, of, uh, Maybe ex-cons are, are people who've been in trouble. I think they were mostly black to like Yosemite or somewhere and uh, to go in the woods. And there was a problem and a helicopter had to come in and fly somebody oh. out. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, that was actually Tassahara. I was working when I came as incident I needed a job and, uh, do you ever meet David Whittaker? You know who that is? Anyway, he, Bob Dylan used to stay at David Whittaker's apartment, but David was his character in San Francisco. And he got me this job. I needed a job, so he got me a job as a lawyer at, the, at a methadone treatment center. And my job Oh, that's was, what it was. And my yeah. job was to go down. It was in the Tenderloin, which actually amazingly hasn't changed all that much, really. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, right. Um, so I thought, well, I liked, you know, I spent time outdoors. I, hiking and camping is a big deal for me outdoors. So I thought I'd take these people on a camping trip with a Sierra Club. I hooked up with the Sierra Club, which later I did also with the kids in the Neighborhood Foundation, which you were involved with also. But anyway, let me get back. So I took, so I took, all, I took these people down to Tassajara because that's how I found out about Tassajara. I, passed the bar exam, went camping, drove up, uh, went into Carmel Valley, and the guy, I said, we need a place to stay. And the guy says, drive up this road, uh, toss our road, and you'll camp. There's a place up there, and we get out, and there's a road that says Pine Valley. We had no map or anything. So that's how, I, and then when I went down there, I saw this sign that said Tassajara, and I said, Tassajara. When I was in the Peace Corps in Africa, I picked up an old magazine, and it was talking about this Zen monk that started this place called Tassajara. And that's what made me think about going there, which actually I did. I hiked in a couple months later. But anyway, I took these people, these drug guys. You had to be strung out on heroin for seven years before you could get into the methadone program. So I just take them oh down. Oh, my God. Yeah, so we t I take them down. All of, they're all on methadone, right? I take them down to Pine Valley, and I, you've done that hike. It's probably a 22,000-foot climb back up. And so the rest of them made it back up, about six of them. And the, the one woman, she just couldn't do it. You know, it was like I, I just, of course, it was totally st stupid of me to, Take her down. You know, you've never hiked 2,000 feet straight up when you've been struggling out of heroin for two, and lived on the streets. Anyway, she couldn't make it. She just refused. And I had to go back down. Anyway, it's a long story, but she, 
you know, she saw there were some of the campers and she had refuge. And I, they thought I was like kidnapped her or something. Finally, I persuaded her, but I couldn't get her out. And eventually the uh, Sierra Club guy had hiked out and got the sheriff's helicopter and lowered it down and took us back both up by, by rope. And, and actually, three years later, I had to do the same thing again with uh, Sterling Bennell's daughter, who'd gone in with Sally Baker and had sprained her ankle. And I had to go in and... Uh, so I've actually been lifted out of Pine Valley at Tatsara twice by helicopter. Wow. Anyway. Is that right? Yeah. Alana, I think, is her name. Maybe so. Anyway, yeah, she went in with... It was Sally's school trip and, you know, sprained her ankle and couldn't go back up that same road. You know, it was... It was tough. Anyway, wow. I'm going to be down there in two weeks. I'm going to go down oh. and uh, Chris, my wife, they gave her a week uh, free because she has been doing workshops, stress reduction workshops with firefighters. And uh, in, oh. in a tribute, uh, she and Lee Klinger uh, have been, they worked with vets for a long time through right, that center. right. Yeah, anyway, they that kind of phased out and now and they've done some workshops with firefighters and uh in in the kind of payment for her they gave us she could bring a friend down so she's bringing her husband down. So yeah, I'm going to go down. I don't and I'll be a guest student for I'll be a guest student for, you know, half the day. I don't have to be. I can just be a guest, but I feel too guilty just to <laughs> that. I'll I'll get up and work in the morning and then I'll be a guest in the afternoon, and I still remember. Yeah. I still remember. I still remember when you were a work leader down there. I was down there when you were work leader. Yeah, well, I was work leader there in 1970. Well, I was. I was there. Well, in '70. Really? Yeah, you're thinking about when I was director. Oh, maybe. Or Ed so. Monk. Maybe so. Yeah, maybe. That's so. when. Look, when. Well, wait a minute. When we did the ashes. I was just there. Uh, I was work leader in the city when we did the Ashes. That was right. 72. That was 72. Yeah, so I had uh, just come back. So I was there, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just I was uh, just coming from the city to join yeah. in on Yeah, it. same with me. I, yeah. I, was, I was a guest student in the city and went down. and Yeah, we were at that ceremony together. Huh. We yeah. probably went down together. Who knows? We may, we uh, may, may well have, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I might have had a, the first I had time a car, I hiked in, yeah. first time I hiked in from Willow Creek, that was before that, and I it was December and everybody was, they weren't in practice period or maybe it was interim or something. And Mark Alexander was the acting director, and I said, "Well, I just hiked in. Can I stay?" And he says, "No, you can't just stay here. <laughs> you can't just hike in and stay." I said, well, where do I go? He said, I don't know. You have to hike out. So we hiked over to Grasshopper Flats, this friend of mine who was in the Peace Corps, and camped out over there. They never found us for two days. And Mark, by the way, you know, I'm very close to Mark and see him. You know, he went and became a dentist, and now you know he has pretty advanced Parkinson's, you know. Right. But I see him, I see him frequently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. How's his speech? Uh, difficult. It's, yeah. He's getting, it's more and more difficult to understand him. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. Well, they're bad. hoping to move into Enso Village. You know, they're up in Hillsburg, and they've signed yeah. up, and, yeah, they're planning to do that. That's a very impressive uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> project. Yeah, very. it is. Yeah, I was on the uh, board, you know, for six years while they were negotiating all that, and I thought it was a great idea, but I still was hoping they would have more low-income units. You know, it's pretty expensive to buy into that, but, of course, you have to do that if you're going to subsidize, you know, 15 Zen students, which is what they're doing, and uh, yeah. so that's, un- that's understandable why that happens, but you and I aren't going to go there. No. Or I'm not anyway. Maybe you have a, a hidden stash somewhere, but I don't. No, yeah. no, no. Uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, and I don't qualify because I haven't worked for Zen Center for 20 years. Uh, and, uh, yeah, somebody actually said, uh, the founder of it, well, it's too bad you haven't worked for Zen Center for 20 years. You could live there for free. Um and uh yeah. Well it depends on how you uh look at it. Yeah. Uh but you know what? I don't want to. I do not want to go live with yeah. a bunch of people of my same yeah. age. Uh there you uh, go. That makes sense to me. Better to play music, I, David. Yeah. It, <laughs> younger people. I don't want to go be with a bunch of white people either. Yeah, there you go. Good. I I applaud you. (laughs) I mean, that's all right. I like. I love being in in Germany. That's what's so cool about where you are. You get all kinds of cultures and all kinds of people from different cultures, and you get brown people, and you get lots of. I mean, there's no. I mean, there's cultures oozing out of every Balinese. You know, right? You You actually have to be an artist. I don't, you can't be a Balinese without being an artist of some kind. <laughs> yeah, well, there's That's a lot true, of right? uh, people, a lot of people from other islands too. Uh, uh, um, I deal with uh, Javanese, Timorese, uh, Flores. Uh. Yeah, you know, when I left Bali, uh, we spent about two months. In Bali and a little bit Java, but then I went to Aryan Jaya. We went oh, to Aryan Jaya when nobody oh, yeah. went, and Evan was about eight years old. We flew into, uh, God, what's the name of that town right in the middle? But it was pretty primitive back then, I'll tell you. It's still. Um, Did you ever see that uh, movie so- by uh, uh, Under the Mountain Wall about the Danny people? In Aryan Jaya by, uh, God, who's the Buddhist? Come on. Who's the Buddha, uh, Buddhist writer? Come on, you know, pretty famous. Snow Leopard, Matheson. Oh, yeah, Matheson yeah, Peter Matheson. Under the, under the Peter Matheson. Wall about the Danny people in Aryan Jaya. It's really worth reading. Yeah, Peter Matheson. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that sounds... Um Good. I mean, there's um, there's some really interesting books on uh, Guinea, New Guinea. New Guinea is the, uh, of course, there's Erin uh, Jaya is part of New Guinea, right? Well, actually, New Guinea is part of it's independent, and Erin Jaya is part of Indonesia, 
but it used to. Yeah, but I'm telling you, same island. Yeah, it's the same island. And at one point, it was all called New Guinea. But then Indonesia annexed uh, with some consternation by some of the locals. And then they called their half of the island Indonesia. I mean, Aryan Jaya, sorry. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, well, there's still problems. <laughs> there's there's yeah. still people being killed yeah. there and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that island uh, uh, had, um, I mean, there's still very, very primitive stuff. There's a lot of guns there now. Uh, and, um, but uh, it, it uh, there, there was uh, agriculture uh, evolved there at the same time it did in uh, Mesopotamia 7,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Um, and that was uh, uh, discovered by a pilot flying over it in the uh, like 1930s, and they saw cultivated fields down mm-hmm. there where uh, nobody had been. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's a very interesting place. I, won't go there. I, have, I know a guy who, who spends time going there. He's a forester. Uh, and and I know people. Who, well, I know some people who have programs there helping people uh, uh, develop their own uh, livelihood and stuff like that. There's a tremendous amount of stuff like that going on here. So you went from Zen Center to uh, you, you were you were involved with uh, what? After were you involved with uh, hospice? Yeah. Well, I left Zen Center, and um, I was kind of ready, you know, I somehow I was interested in, I don't know, wanted to have more responsibility in some areas, so since that it prepared me well, you know, it gave me a lot of responsibility when I was there, and, uh, you know, you learn a lot. We There was a very rich group of people that were, that supported Zen Center that you, as you know, you knew, you know, all those players, Governor Brown and everybody, and so well, I Governor Brown deal. wasn't a supporter, a financial supporter. <laughs> Not a supporter. He's wealthy, but, you know, too. He was <laughs> instrumental. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I got a job as uh, with some recommendations of people as editor. I remember Paul Hawken actually wrote me a good letter of recommendation. And who was the guy that used to be the head economist for uh, Bank of America? John Wilson. He wrote me a good letter. John Wilson. Yeah, all right. So, anyway, uh, I got this job as the director of, a, you know, kind of a, a, the local hospice program up here. And then I came up and learned a lot about health care. I kind of grew it from a community-based one to a Medicare-certified one. And so I did that for about eight years, right in the middle of the AIDS epidemic. So that was a real – I mm. said, you know, I do, I'm going to do this because I thought hospice would really be a good way for a priest to um, – you know, be a priest. We were, you know, that's our specialty, right? Dealing with death and dying. But it turned out what I ended up doing was negotiating contracts with nurses <laughs> and hospitals. <laughs> and uh-huh. and it, was, it wasn't easy. It was not an easy job. But hospice is a wonderful thing, you know. It's, it's incredible, yeah. incredible work. So I was very blessed to be able to do that for eight years. And then I went back to school when I was 50 and became a psychotherapist, got licensed. No, I went back and resurrected my law license and uh, did mediation law, 
and uh, then went to school and became a psychotherapist for so a bunch of years. I was both a mediation lawyer and a psychotherapist, and I did that. Wow. And then at some and then at some point, I um, really started to want to develop a, a, a Zen sitting group, and uh, mm. yeah. So the, one of the first students was a woman named um, Ann Sakaguchi, and. Hiroshi ah. is the guy that did a lot of the building on the tea house at Green Gulch. She lives about two miles from me, and you know we've been. She's probably the longest member in my in my group. You know that's what been twenty five, yeah, twenty five years now. I guess we've been been sitting together, oh. but it's a pretty eclectic group. You know, I don't do a strict. I do see. I do. You know, I do services. I do chanting. I wear my robes. But I tend to bring in, like right now, for example, I uh, am doing the hindrances and and teaching the Dhammapada. So I bring in some Theravadan stuff because I mm. it's part of that that I f- appreciate. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, and you were the, you were yeah. I, I remember now. You were the first head of the Neighborhood Foundation. Right. Uh, and it started, what year did it start? Was that after Greens started? That's a good question. A good question. No, it, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think maybe I don't, I, I couldn't tell you. I have a sense. But what, year, no, what year did it start? Come on. Didn't no, it start I, around 19, God. I can't even remember if I was a priest then? Yeah, I must have been. He came down and got me a Tassajara and brought me up. Uh, he who? Him, who came? Richard. He came down. I was the only back. I was there once for a year. And, let's see, a year and a half. And then he kept pulling me out for stuff. And he came down and got me because he wanted me to, because I had a law degree and he thought that would be helpful. And it probably was. So I don't know, seventy five, something like that, seventy six. Yeah, yeah, it was early. Yeah. Yeah. It was early. Yeah, well, uh, we did some good work. We did the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, we did the park, Carsland Park, and we did the track club. And then we used to take kids camping all the time. I used to take with well, the Sierra Club. We used to take them up first time. These kids in the project. Yeah, and I remember that. Uh, and I remember one time we took a bunch of the kids from the project to Disneyland. In a in a uh, a National Guard bus, that Governor Brown released to us, and it was me. I was the only white male, and there were thirty kids and about five black ladies. And we all went down, and we stayed in a motel, and they just partied down. And I, it was, it, we really had fun. <laughs> and now, where'd you go? To Disneyland, we took we, we took uh, the kids, oh, wow. the thirty kids from the project, in a, in, a, in an army na- gray army national bus down to Disneyland. <laughs> wow, wow, that is uh, cool. Yeah, I used to get things from the National Guard when I worked for the California Conservation Corps. Yeah, I remember and, that. Yeah, and uh, I made uh, a very good. I had a very good relationship with a colonel in the National Guard. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, and uh, uh, I called him once, and I said, Colonel Harrington, um, I have a problem. The, the, I, I've been living in Bolinas, and um, the Bolinas school, uh, you know, they're, 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 
they can't build a new building here because of so-and-so. Is, would there be any chance you got any buses around there? We just need it for an art program uh, that, um, you know, you don't need to use anymore or whatever. And uh, he had a bus sent there you go. to Belinus and told me, do not thank them. Never mention it. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. He, maybe it was a, Maybe we used it before you do. I don't know, but. Anyway, amazing. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever uh, talk to Paul Rosenblum at all? Oh yeah, sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't. Oh, absolutely. Last time I talked to Paul, we were both protesting some an execution at San Quentin, but I haven't seen him for maybe seven, eight years. But you've talked to him more recently, huh? Good. Oh yeah, you know he's uh, he's. Assistant Abbot of uh, Johannesov, and uh, yeah. uh, he's um, he's a supporter of Cuke Archives, and um, uh, I'm in touch with him uh, uh, frequently. Uh, oh, good. Say hi yeah. to him. For, say hi to him for me. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Oh yeah, Paul's great. Now, does he does he live? Does he? He lives in Fairfax, though. Does he live in Germany part time too? Yeah, yeah. He's in Fairfax with his wife, and she's involved with the Diamond Way. Diamond Way, yeah. Called. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, actually, she got hold of uh, of uh, Katrinka here to help set up um, uh, a big convention for them. Uh, I think that never came about. Uh, and uh, Paul is is there, and he does some teaching in America, but he's pretty private, or he's pretty quiet, whatever he does. And then, uh, but in, in Johannesov, he's there like the third to half the year, and he's oh. uh, like the assistant abbot there. Uh-huh. Now, now uh, Nicole Baden is the, is uh, Richard Baker's successor, and she's the overall abbot of Dharma Sangha, Germany and America, and she is oh. great. I didn't, I uh, didn't know, I didn't know that. So that's a woman. He has a woman successor. Is she German? And she's young. She's very young, uh-huh. and she's very dynamic, and she's a wonderful person. I love her. Uh, 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 everybody ger- likes her. Is, is she German or American? Oh yeah, she's German. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh-huh. And she's been, she started sitting with him when she was like 18. Oh, uh-huh. uh, uh There's well, a great podcast with her. Uh-huh. Uh, well, well. And, uh, is he, yeah. did he get divorced from his yeah. last wife? Huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And they just got divorced last year or something. Yeah, they were together 20 years. Uh, that's pretty good. And, you know, he's 30 years older than her. So uh, uh-huh. he's like... Uh-huh. He's like uh, 86, uh-huh. 87 now. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. Um, hmm. Now, with the Neighborhood Foundation, uh, uh, you after you was Kim Kaiser. Right. Being head of it. And then I worked with Kim for uh, half a year. Um, and, uh, we, we, uh, uh, 
started a recycling center, and that's what I was in charge of. Uh-huh. And uh, in fact, it was the first full-time recycling center in San Francisco. Really? And uh, yeah, and basically, enormous amount of my time. I mean, there were all sorts of stuff we did. We went to conferences, and I learned a lot about recycling and trash and all that. And and there were various other things, uh, but getting a parking lot from the uh, an employee's parking lot from the State Department of Transportation released under the freeway was uh, uh, a major amount of energy uh, dealing with the Transportation Department uh, bureaucracy in charge of it. They did everything possible to stop me. And, but I just kept at it. Uh, he told me, I remember the guy I dealt with there, he said, oh, you'll never get that. I said, well, look, you have all these parking lots there and they're underutilized. There's hardly anybody ever parks in that one. Just close it and you, you, you still have extra space. He said, yeah, the employees' unions will never let you. There were two employees' unions. I got them both to sponsor it. Uh, and, uh, I'd forgotten uh, that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I did pretty well dealing with bureaucracy, and I I like you know, and I did that for the California Conservation Corps too, um, and um, and I found the best people were always retired military. Mm-hmm. They were the best people to deal with. They were people oriented, yeah. and the worst were idealists, liberals, <laughs> people with. <laughs> Wanted yeah. to save the world or something. Uh, to have well, these, there's some truth to that, David. Yep. If you, yep. You know, and and uh, of course I yeah. am a, uh, uh, you know, I'm a quasi commie myself. But uh, uh, you know, dealing with the conservation corps, oh my God, it was just set up by just pie in the sky. Idealists, it never would have worked. So I was involved in in making it work in ways. You know, there are two things I've been involved with I can't write about because it would make too many people look bad. And that state government and the, and the music uh, mm-hmm. world and the, getting a studio yeah. going. Well, you know, you knew, you know, I, when I was up here, I ran a meditation group in the county jail for about 10 uh-huh. years which was a tremendous, because they were so grateful. You know, it was volunteer. You know, people would sign up, and it was also a way for me to work with people that weren't just Caucasians. You know, I got to work with people of color, and they were just really grateful that I would come in and volunteer my time. But this one guy was there, and I don't know why, but he asked me about Zen Center. I said, where'd you learn Zen? I said, well, I went to this place called Zen Center. And he said, oh, my dad... This is a guy that was in, right? I, you don't ask people why they're in, but he was in. And uh, he said, oh, my dad was affiliated with, uh, with Zen Center. And I said, oh, yeah, well, who's that? And he says, oh, Jacques Barzaghi. I said, Jacques Barzaghi's your dad? He says, yeah. <laughs> so that wow. we had an interesting conversation. Turns out Zach's got about eight kids, you know, from three different wives all over the right. world. <laughs> right. Yeah. So anyway, right. and and for uh, John Barzaghi was uh, Jerry Brown's right hand man from when he was Secretary of State. Got through to when he was um, 
uh, mayor of Oakland until they had a falling apart there. Yeah, right. All right. You yeah, were they were say? together a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I was at Tassajara, and I don't know why I was up at the shop, and somebody's banging on the gate, and I go up to the gate. This is, again, in, you know, during practice period. And the gate, I open the gate, and this guy says, I'm Jacques Barzaghi, and this is this is Jerry Brown. He just got elected governor of California, and we'd like to come in. And I said, well, you know, we don't allow visitors to come in during the, you know, practice period, but I'll go ask the abbot and see if they'll make an exception for you. <laughs> so I went down to Richard and said, you know, no, the no, 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 no. governor, and he'd like to come in. So anyway, that was an interesting story. Uh, Bruce, you came to me. Baker no. wasn't there. Yes, Baker wasn't there. Uh, and oh, people were telling right? them they had to leave, and I was the director. And I, I said, I'll take it from here. And I, <laughs> I, I had somebody bring them tea, and I immediately went to the office and got hold of Richard Baker and oh. let him know. He was getting ready to come to Tassajara. Uh, I said, uh, 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 Governor-elect oh, Jerry Brown is here, uh, and uh, get down here right away. You should meet him. And uh, so he sped down. And uh, I showed him around, took him to the Narrows and, you know, made sure everything we got him, got him uh, rooms in the uh, stone rooms. Uh, uh, the stone, there was two couples. See, it was, it was uh, uh, Brown and uh, a woman, I forget who, and, and Jacques and I don't think he was with Connie then. I don't and, remember uh, women. There were women there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I don't remember two, that. I just two remember the two of them. Huh? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I showed him around everything. I gave him a copy of Small is Beautiful. I gave him a copy of Jessica Mitford's Kind and Usual Punishment. And then uh, Dick got there, and, uh, uh, and the rest is history. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So that was you. That was you at the gate that told him they couldn't stay, right? And other people told him that too. And uh, (laughs) um, I gave him a book uh, too. I can't remember. I got it from a whole earth catalog. It was a book of quotes. And I've never seen that book before. Big, thick book. And I gave it to Governor Brown and said, Here, maybe this will help you out. He asked me, he said, You're a lawyer? He says, Oh, are you. You're interested in working in government? <laughs> but I was a Zen student at that point, so anyway. Well, he was interested in hiring Zen students. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, he, he got me to work for the California Conservation Corps. Yeah, yeah. I didn't well, want I to. Well, I worked pretty when I was in the Neighborhood Foundation. Uh, you know that. There were you know a couple of his guys that were actually Percy Heath, Percy... Percy Pinkney. Pinkney, Pinkney. And he had two guys that were like super heavy kind of bodyguards, and we, we and we put them up in one of our housing, you know, and yeah. we ended up working with them pretty closely, actually, with different projects. Right, Ralph and Ted. Boy, uh, that's amazing. You remember their names? Oh yeah, I knew them. Yeah, I and spent then Ralph time with stopped, them. And then Ralph stopped paying rent, 
because he figured, well, wait, this is a Zen organization. I'm not going to pay rent for this place up on Lily Alley. So I had to, it was Ralph, 260 pounds, you know, and I'm saying, yeah. Ralph, you need to pay your rent. You know, this isn't free. <laughs> I realized, I realized they didn't need a Zen priest to be a landlord. That was, <laughs> that was an oxymoron. Me, <laughs> right. Zen priest is a landlord. No, no, that didn't, that was not going to work. <laughs> Ralph right. came from, uh, I believe, Lubbock, Texas. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I stayed up, wow, practically all night talking to him once. And he yeah. told me he was really bad. Yeah. He was really bad. He was the kid that mm-hmm. everybody's mother said don't. They mm-hmm. did not want their sons hanging out with yeah. him. That was my understanding. He, he said, yeah, one day I realized that everybody thinks I'm bad. Well, I'm going to show them. And saying he changed, like, overnight and became good. <laughs> I remember well, that's telling you. Because when he was there, I always assumed he was Percy's kind of heavy, kind of bodyguard. So maybe that wasn't the case. Maybe he was, he'd really, you know. I mean, I never saw him do anything that was heavy, no. but... He was that type, and so was Ted. Ted was very tall and handsome. Uh, yeah. And oh, I'm sorry. You were just talking about Ralph. I thought you were talking yeah. about Ted. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ralph was the big guy. So, Ted, yeah. I got him involved with the California Conservation Corps, uh, starting a uh, uh, program uh, in in Watts. Hmm. Uh, and uh, with the... Uh, with the first two directors, uh, the first director was, uh, um, mm, he was, uh, you know, into Rudolf Steiner and all that, and which, which I think is all good stuff, but it was all, it, it, it wasn't connected to reality. Uh, and the second one was Leroy Chatfield, who had been Cesar Chavez's right-hand man, and uh, he was... Um, you know, he he had, he liked to control everything, and he wanted his farm workers guy to do, guys to do everything. So, I, but as soon as Leroy was gone, and B. T. Collins, retired military, who'd been Brown's chief of staff, was head, and uh, you know, uh, I brought, I said, I told him, I I, I told B. T. I, I want to have a meeting. He'd say, "What are you doing here, fuckhead?" You know, he talked to me like that. And, I'd say I want to I want to talk to you about a program, and I, and so I set up a meeting and I brought Ted, and another guy who was from Watts. Ten minutes, he approved it, and they started it. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. The the thing that I failed at in the uh, the neighborhood foundation was dealing with the cedar workers. I got off to a bad start with them, and I quit. It was, you know, they were both ex-cons, and uh, um, I was just trying to relate to them like normal people who were Zen students, and they really didn't want to be told what to do or anything. Uh, and so it was. I've had the same thing with uh, teaching. When I was teaching English in Japan, my first class started off wrong, and I could never get back. After that, I learned how to start right. 
How's uh, that? You know? How's that? With discipline and, and with that clear roles and definition oh. and I don't know. Um, anyway. Mm. Uh, so, uh, well, and so uh, that brings you back to right now. Good Lord, you made that movie? Yeah. And, well, uh, I didn't make it, but I was on the board and I, you know, it was instrumental and, and, uh, you know, part of the part of our project, and yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. I think uh, you know we all got to do something for global warming, even though it's pretty depressing. You know, it looks like the Republicans are going to take over here, and I just can't understand that. But looks <laughs> like it's going to happen. People just vote by their gas tanks. So well, anyway, yeah, yeah. So Let's keep I don't think on what the trash the and the plastic and global warming yeah. and doing what we can do. Yeah, I I think what the Democrats are doing isn't enough either, and that we're doomed. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and uh, I think the human race uh, has uh, been committing suicide for a while now. No, say that uh, again. Who has the human race? Oh, uh-huh. yeah. there's a struggle. There's a struggle. I mean, there's all the forces of uh, they're, they're not intentional suicide, but they're suicidal. And uh, that's the forces that are driven by uh, profit and, you know, money and self-interest and that. So uh, I, I certainly don't think democracy is going to save the world and people will vote for their self-interest in the short term Seems and sacrifice the future. Yeah. Uh, um, at least feels hopeful you know. when you feels hopeful when you sit a meditation retreat. Though <laughs> things seem to clear, and you know you <laughs> see the potential for the perfect way. You know the great perfection. It's all uh-huh. there, and and you. You know, you see that the world has always been in these cycles, and sometimes I have to remind myself, what the hell was it like at the start of the Second World War? Good God, you know, you probably thought the world was going to come to an end. So maybe we're just in one of these, you know, 20-year cycles. I mean, you know, when Obama got elected, I thought, oh, man, it finally happened. Everything is going to be up from now on. I don't know. (laughs) Little we... Little that I know, you know, I should have known at that point how complex the cycles of history are. Yeah, but when World War II started, uh, or any of the other times that people thought, uh, if some people thought, oh, the world's going to end or something, they didn't have a consensus of scientists from uh, mm. enormous variety of disciplines saying uh, we're headed toward the destruction of civilization yeah. in, in uh, really not that far away if we don't completely change what we're doing. Yeah, that's right. And there's a lot of people dealing with that very seriously. Bill Gates is, uh, but it's like, you know, I guess it's like trying to, uh, move a mountain. That's really yeah. moving a mountain. Yeah. 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 Uh, but when you sit a session, 
and you feel that everything's all right, that's because you're contacting a larger reality that will be unaffected by global warming. Don't you think so? I just, what I was thinking is, I said, I, I, right there, I just thought, I wonder if prayer will help. And just what well, that means, prayer, you know. Is yeah. meditation prayer? Is chanting prayer? I think so. I think yeah. so. Maybe that's what we do. We just have to put that into the universe, and hopefully it's uh, cumulative. Yeah. Yeah, good luck to us. Yeah. And uh, so your sitting group in... Um, uh, uh, Sebastopol, it's got a name? Occidental Laguna Sangha. And does it have a website? OccidentalLagunaSangha.org. Hey, there you go. Um, are you on f Facebook? No, not on Facebook. Are you on Instagram? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. So old fashioned. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Totally, absolutely, no, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. Mostly, I'm not so interested in, you know, uh, having an online presence so much. I just am more interested in the local people that hear about it by word of mouth and right, right. Yeah, you know, you know that, right. and that I have personal contact with. That's kind of more my trajectory. Yes. I, yeah, yes. I feel myself, you know, kind of more winding down a little bit at this point. You're just 80. What are you talking about winding down? You're just getting going, ma'am. Good to hear you say that. That's nice to hear. We always have people like Mel, you know, that was true. Or what about, you know, Jajo? Uh, <laughs> he didn't get wound, He didn't get going till 86, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yasutani got warmed up at 86. He went to 110 or something. Uh, anyway, yeah, good to hear you. Good to hear you say that. Also, David, you're you're sounding pretty perky and pretty uh, energized. You, you didn't go to Bali and just hang out in a hammock. I can tell that. Oh no, I don't do that. I don't yeah, do you that. don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a question. I had a question for you. How often do you have to? To renew your visa, do you have to come back to the States to do that? I have not been back to the States since I came here in 2013. Oh, I didn't know that. Really? So where yeah. do you go? Where do you go? Well, at first, when we first got here, we were on tourist visas. So we uh -huh. did that a couple of times. So you, you get a renewable yeah. when you come in. Uh and uh, so you can stay two months. Uh, right. And maybe we just did that once. Oh, and then we uh, We did that. No, we did. That, and we came back with another tourist visa for a while. And then we went to uh, uh, Thailand and Japan for four months. Mm -hmm. to, to, we were just starting. And we mm -hmm. said, no, we want to live in Bali. And actually, it's much more affordable than, you know, like. Thailand's yeah. a lot cheaper than Japan, and Bali's a lot cheaper than Thailand, oh, okay. uh, or somewhat cheaper than Thailand. And uh, so we came back here, I guess, on our third tourist visa, and then we got cultural visas, cultural budaya, yeah, culture, social budaya. 
social cultural visas for six months. I think we did that twice, having to fly to Kuala Lumpur or Singapore. Oh. And then after that, we got what's called Kitas, which is a temporary residential, and then you don't have to leave. Uh, good. Oh, good for you. I didn't know that. Well, good. Yeah. Yeah, we good. we and then what we did, renew we yeah. renew them once a year. Okay. Oh, good. So just right there. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And does in a, does Kelly fly in occasionally to meet you or visit with you? He's he's been here twice for a month. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh, good. And Clay is planning on coming later this year with his beloved and their two month old baby. Uh, his first, his prior mate, and their almost four-year-old, uh, was here for a month, a couple of years ago, and I'm in constant touch with with Clay. We, we have a lot of communication, and Kelly too, um, and um, uh, they're both doing really well. Good. Uh, yeah, and in yeah, different I, ways. Uh huh. Well, I can remember, yeah, Kelly came by and did some tree work for me a few years ago. And uh, I don't know how long ago. I guess I remember when Clay was visiting his first wife in uh, uh, that was staying at uh, Ken's place. Yeah, yeah he, he hadn't been married. But uh, uh-huh. Rita, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, they, Clay and April... I uh, just moved to a nice big house in Lake County, and they're huh? doing great. Uh, had uh, in a what about you? What, what, what what's about your, me? Your your son? What's his name? Uh, Evan. Evan. You know, I thought yeah. it was Evan, but I have another friend whose son is named oh. Evan, so I thought, no, well, that's so and so. Evan's cool. Uh, He's been. Uh, Let's see, you know, he worked for Ken for a while on construction. He lived at Green Gulch for a year building the student housing, and then he went back and got a man, he got his teaching credential, and he was teaching in Oakland, inner city, sixth, seventh grade, and uh, kind of a little bit burned out. And then right at the pandemic started, he quit before the pandemic, which was good, and then he was going to travel for a year. In Europe, so he had to kind of put it on hold. But then he uh, did. He's got a girlfriend. He says he's going to marry. She's half, you know, African American. So that's cool. We got that in our lives. And um, they did travel in Portugal and around. And then he's back. He's got a, a a grant right now from the Center for Disease Control, and been hired by the city of Oakland to write curriculum. So he writes the curriculum for all the, the whole city of Oakland for everything that isn't academic. He writes the curriculum for, and uh, you know, LGBTQ rights, COVID safety, personal safety, you know, emotional literacy. So he's very engaged. He's it's good Lord. Cool. Yeah. That's heavy stuff, man. Yeah. Wow. Well, he said. I said. Well. Why are you doing this? He says, well, because we need it. We have a much more progressive 
agenda than other schools. Other schools. I said, well, this is cool. The other schools will pick it up, right? He says, well, the problem is we're afraid that Fox News is going to get a hold of it. Because, you know, that's what they'll do. The election cycles, they're like, here's what they're doing. This is what this is the woke culture in in Oakland. And so some way say, you know, he's a little afraid that Fox News is going to get a hold of it, you know, and use it as they're doing, unfortunately, yeah. around the country in this next election cycle. But we can, I don't know, we just hope it prevails. But he's very engaged. Oh, this is cool. This weekend... He's having, it's quite pretty here, you remember our place, and it's spring, yeah. and we got a little rain, which we really needed, you know, Ken and I thought our well was going to go dry, but we got some rain, and so he's had 30 people going to come here uh, Friday night, they're going to pitch a tent in our orchard, you've been there, and uh, they're going to have a big barbecue, lamb barbecue on Saturday, and dancing, and party down. They're going to spend Saturday night, and then I'm going to help uh, make pancakes for them in the morning. Wow. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, um, hmm. Okay. Uh, Well, uh, it's really been good talking with you. It's uh, amazing all the stuff you've done and are continuing to do. Um. That's great. Hey, and you uh, and you and you too, David. Yeah, yeah. Keep that creativity uh, flowing. Maybe we'll end up in Bali. I don't know. I love in you know Indonesia and Asia, and uh, we went that we got to, we went to Burma uh, two years ago, right during the Rohingya thing. But that's a whole other story. Now's a good time. Let's just wind down with that party. We could keep going all night long, but um, I don't know. I was kind of hoping you said you had to come back to the United States, and and uh, I, you know I draw, I walk by your house, your old house, all the time, and I think about you and Andrew Atkinson and Neil's home, and you know you used to, and even Bill Lane, and two of those guys are gone, but you mm. had a presence here, and you still do, you know, in the heart of us, all us Zen students. So thanks for that. And I'll, uh, I need to dig a little deeper into the archives, David. Thanks for your work. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, and pass thank- my, I'll pass your regards on to Ken. I see Ken, you know, every other day. I don't see him yeah. very often, but I'm always running into Ken. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I know you talk to him, you know, occasionally. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's All right. great. Well, let's not... Let's not wait five years. Maybe we'll have to find another excuse for a conversation. No, it's been nine years probably since we talked. Probably could be now. Yeah. Uh, I know that's too long. That's a great thing about doing podcasts. Yeah. So tell me again, how do I access this podcast in two months? I'll, or I'll, how do I just send it, listen I'll to your send, podcast? I'll, what is it again? I'll send it to you. Uh, oh, okay, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, that. I'll send you a link. Okay. And, oh, hey, I need uh, pictures. I need two pictures. Uh, pictures? Are, yeah, photographs, because your photo will go with the uh, podcast. Oh. Okay. Right? So that uh, would be a wanna... relatively recent one. Okay. And, and then there's a podcast page on com where we have the 
the relatively recent one under now and then to the left, there's then. Uh, so anything you've got from, you know, like 1970 or anywhere back then. Right. I've got uh, one little blur, one little blurt in there, you know, where it, I went to Suzuki Roshi and said, can I talk to you? And he said, no. <laughs> really? First time, huh? Really? Yeah, you've got that. You got you got that documented in your in your thing. You know, it's kind of great, right? I just does. From a, yeah, go yeah. ahead. No, it does ring a bell. Go on. Yeah. Okay. No, it wait a minute. Up. I want to know yeah. the setting. You said you just come from. A... Oh, I had just come from the farm, and we were, you know, talking was the way was our spiritual practice. So I thought it was. You know, and he was ill, right? He was maybe had months to live, and he was he was over in the corner of the courtyard on Page Street, and nobody was around him. It was amazing, and I just walked up to him with my long hair and beat up jeans, and I said, "Can I talk to you?" And he just said very sweetly, "No." <laughs> so I, I thought it was kind of sweet, you know. He there was kind of a message there, you know. He was taking care of himself and. No, maybe silence is the best path for you, Bruce. <laughs> yeah. Listen, he had an uncanny uh, knack for sizing up a person immediately or, mm -hmm. or just in, intuitively immediately uh, knowing what would be the best way to relate to them because normally he wouldn't do that. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I you know, know that. Yeah, that was yeah. probably, yeah, exactly. He kind of probably felt my energy. I had all this, you know, I mean, that's what I was going to ask him. Actually, the question I asked him is, uh, you know, what's the role of, you know, talking to people about their problems? Right. And that's what I was going to ask him, which is the same question, the same ask question I was asked Richard Baker, right? <laughs> yeah, he answered you, don't you yeah, think? Yeah, he did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He did. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay David, be well, be well and say hi to Katrinka. And I'm glad you guys and, are together. And I'm glad you're in Bali. You know, it's a wonderfully. I have very good memories about you know what, yeah. the month we spent there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, say hi to Chris. Yeah. And um, that's terrific. Okay. Take okay, care. Bye for now. All right. Bye bye. So thank you very much, Bruce. I appreciate it. I look forward to the next time I'm able to come sit with you at Occidental Laguna Sangha, in, uh, actually in Sebastopol. <laughs> it, <laughs> um, they're right next to each other. Uh, so, you know, the website for that is OccidentalLagunaSangha.org. And um, also, uh, check out Bruce Fortin at mindbodyonline.com forward slash uh, explore forward slash fitness forward slash instructors forward slash Bruce Fortin. Uh, I just write mindbodyonline.com Bruce Fortin. 
uh, and see if that comes up. That's the way I do things. And um, remember, keep an eye out for uh, embers of awakening from firestorms to climate health. And you can check that out again, I remind you, at uh, listeningforachange.org forward slash fire dash projects. Hey, I hope to see that film here at Bali at the International Film Festival, although I've never once gone to see a film in it. Those things are expensive, but yeah, maybe. And... Um, until we meet again, I'm D.C. Pubov, Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives, coming to you from Sleepy Senor with Doggy Bandita, Feline Cuchita, and your lovely Katrinka. And we're wishing you and yours and all of us a grand awakening. Mm-hmm.